Treasures Made New, your devotional podcast on the go or at home, where we read the scriptures and reflect on them with those from the past. Today we will be reading Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12, and then through J.C. Ryle's expository thoughts on Matthew. Please take a moment to pause and ask the Holy Spirit to bring understanding and to apply what we hear. Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people, Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star they had seen where it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, and going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, and frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. This is the word of the Lord. It is not known who these wise men were. Their names and dwelling place alike are kept back from us. We are only told that they came from the east. Whether they were Chaldeans or Arabians, we cannot say. Whether they learned to expect Christ from the ten tribes went into captivity, or from the prophecies of Daniel, we do not know. It matters little who they were. The point which concerns us most is the rich instruction which their history conveys. These verses show us that there may be true servants of God in places where we should not expect to find them. The Lord Jesus has many hidden ones, like these wise men. Their history on earth may be as little known as that of Melchizedek and Jethro and Job. But their names are in the book of life, and they will be found with Christ on the day of his appearing. It is good to remember this. We must not look around the earth and say hastily, all is barren. The grace of God is not tied to places and families. The Holy Spirit can lead souls to Christ without the help of many outward means. Men may be born in dark places of the earth, like these wise men, and yet like them be made wise unto salvation. There are some traveling to heaven at this moment, of whom the church and the world know nothing. They flourish in secret places like the lily among thorns, and waste their sweetness on the desert air. But Christ loves them, and they love Christ. These verses teach us that it is not always those who have most religious privileges who give Christ most honor. 
We might have thought that the scribes and Pharisees would have been the first to hasten to Bethlehem on the lightest rumor that the Savior was born. But it was not so. A few known strangers from a distant land were the first, except the shepherds mentioned by Luke, to rejoice at his birth. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. What a mournful picture this is of human nature. How often the same kind of thing may be seen among ourselves. How often the very people who live nearest to the means of grace are those who neglect them most. There is only too much truth in the old proverb, the nearer the church, the further from God. Familiarity with sacred things has a dreadful tendency to make men despise them. There are many who from residence and convenience ought to be the first and foremost in the worship of God and yet are always last. There are many who might be well expected to be last who are always first. These verses teach us that there may be knowledge of Scripture in the head while there is no grace in the heart. Mark how King Herod sends to inquire of the priests and elders where the Christ would be born. Mark would a ready answer they return him And what an acquaintance with the words of Scripture they show. But they never went to Bethlehem to seek for the coming Savior. They would not believe in him when he ministered among them. Their heads were better than their hearts. Let us all beware of resting satisfied with head knowledge. It is an excellent thing when used rightly. But a man may have much of it and yet perish everlastingly. What is the state of our hearts? This is the great question. A little grace is better than many gifts. Gifts alone save no one, but grace leads on to glory. The conduct of the wise men described in this chapter is a splendid example of spiritual diligence. What trouble it must have cost them to travel from their homes to the place where Jesus was born. How many weary miles must they have journeyed? The fatigues of eastern travel are far greater than we in England can understand at all. The time that such a journey would occupy must necessarily have been very great. The dangers to be encountered were neither few nor small. But none of these things moved them. They had set their hearts on seeing him who was born king of the Jews. They never rested until they saw him. They proved to us the truth of the old saying, Where there is a will there is a way. It would be well for all professing Christians if they were more ready to follow the wise man's example. Where is our self-denial? What pains do we take about our souls? What diligence do we show about following Christ? What does our religion cost us? These are serious questions. They deserve serious consideration. Last but not least, The conduct of the wise men is a striking example of faith. They believed in Christ when they had never seen him. But that is not all. They believed in him when the scribes and Pharisees were unbelieving. But then again was not all. They believed in him when they saw him a little infant on Mary's knee and worshipped him as king. This was the crowning point of their faith. They saw no miracles to convince them. They heard no teaching to persuade them. They held no signs of divinity and greatness to overawe them. They saw nothing but a newborn infant, helpless and weak, and needing a mother's care like any one of ourselves. And yet, when they saw that infant, 
They believed that they saw the divine Savior of the world. They fell down and worshipped him. We read of no greater faith than this in the whole volume of the Bible. It is a faith that deserves to be placed side by side with that of the repentant thief. The thief saw one dying the death of a malefactor and yet prayed to him and called him Lord. The wise men saw a newly born baby on the lap of a poor woman and yet worshipped him and confessed that he was the Christ. Blessed indeed are those that can believe in this fashion. This is the kind of faith, let us remember, that God delights to honor. We see the proof of that this very day. Wherever the Bible is read, the conduct of these wise men is known and told as a memorial of them. Let us walk in the steps of their faith. Let us not be ashamed to believe in Jesus and confess him, though all around us remain careless and unbelieving. Have we not a thousandfold more evidence than the wise men had to make us believe that Jesus is the Christ? Beyond doubt we have. Yet where is our faith? That is the end of Ryle's expository thoughts for these verses. Let us carefully consider what we have heard today, and may the Lord be pleased to bring the growth for His glory.